Good morning again. I know that we have a lot of our regular ECC family tuning in to the streaming, to the stream. Uh, but we have a lot of people who aren't a part of the regular ECC family tuning in from all over the country, maybe even all over the world, and we're, we're grateful for you. Uh, as Bob mentioned, we are in the midst of a series on the Lord's Prayer, and we find ourselves this week in the fifth petition. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I think it's a, a, a great passage, a great thought to reflect on this week, because we've been cooped up now for a little while, and we've stepped on each other's toes quite a bit, I'm sure. I know in our house we have. So there's been plenty of opportunities to forgive one another and to ask for forgiveness, and there'll be plenty more in the coming weeks. Here's a quick tip for you. We ought to be incredibly quick to forgive, but you can be too quick to say, I forgive you. If your wife is nagging you about the things that you have left undone for weeks and you say, honey, I forgive you for being a nag before she's asked or confessed, it might not have the reaction you're anticipating. Or if your husband's being grumpy and gruff and you say, honey, I forgive you for being grumpy and gruff before he's asked and come to the realization that he is being grumpy, it might not have the effect you're hoping for. This text about forgiveness and God's forgiveness, I think is particularly good this week because we have spent the last few weeks scurrying all over town, right? Making sure that our pantries are stocked with adequate supplies, getting our prescriptions, doing everything physically that we needed to be doing to prepare for this, this time. We've worried about wages that are lost and about bills that will come due. Daily life, the, the things that we just were on autopilot for weeks ago are now just front and center in our minds. And it's challenging. But it is possible during this time that those things that are, are very normal, day in and day out things that were just routine, now they're front and center and they could crowd out spiritual. They could crowd out the eternal. We have prayed and we will continue to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. God is very concerned about our physical needs. But as we move to the next petition, forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our sins, we're reminded that God cares about our spiritual needs as well. In this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, there's a shift between the, from the temporal to the eternal, from the material to the spiritual. I, I want to reflect on three truths about God's forgiveness from this passage that will lead to one specific point of application. First, in this petition, we see that God is as committed to meeting our spiritual needs, our chief spiritual need, as he was to meeting and is to meeting our chief material, physical needs. He's committed to providing our daily bread, our physical needs, but he's just as committed to meeting our spiritual need, our chief spiritual need, which is forgiveness. When we pray this prayer corporately and recite it together, this is the, the sentence that we often mumble through. 
Not because we don't like the idea of God's forgiveness, but different translations translate this idea differently. In Luke, in his account of the Lord's Prayer, it says, forgive us our sins. In Matthew chapter 6, old English versions say, forgive us our trespasses. And that's what is found in the Anglican Book of Common Prayer. Newer translations say, forgive us our debts. I I like the sound of forgive us our trespasses, but I think the word debts gets more at what Jesus was going for. Forgive us our debts. The idea here is that as God's creation, we owe God our loyalty. Completely undivided loyalty. We owe him our unwavering faithfulness. We owe him our affection and our love. We owe him our complete, unsullied obedience. And at every one of those points, we have failed to pay what we owe. So we are in debt. And Jesus tells us to pray, Father, forgive us our debts. Because until this debt is paid, spiritual life just isn't possible. I think nowadays we sometimes talk about our spiritual life as if it just referred to our inner life, our inner thoughts, our inner attitudes, inner emotions. That's really sub-Christian. The Christian concept is that our spiritual life isn't just about what's going on inside, it's a relationship with God. A relationship with the one who is completely and totally holy completely and totally just. And in that relationship, we need forgiveness for the massive debt we have incurred. Psalm 130 that Bob read says, if you kept a record of our sins, if you kept tally of our debt, no one could stand. But with you, There is forgiveness. The God who is completely holy and totally just made that forgiveness possible through the cross. And the cross, he upheld his justice and punished sin in Jesus who became sin for us. And in doing so, he opened up the gates of mercy and the possibility of forgiveness. God is as committed to meeting our spiritual need for forgiveness as he is to meeting our daily need for bread. Second, like our daily need for bread, we daily need God's forgiveness. Yes, Christians have been forgiven, past tense, that includes all sins, past, present, future. We have been declared innocent, righteous, before God's tribunal. But the language of the Lord's Prayer isn't forensic. It's not legal or judicial. We're not referring here to God as judge. This is a family prayer. We're referring to God as our Father and asking our Father who we have transgressed against, who we have offended to forgive to maintain the intimacy of relationship. Uh, Imagine 
if on Monday my wife has cleaned the house and it's spotless and I come in and I eat my snack and leave crumbs all over the couch and leave my dishes around and she's offended by that, rightly so. And I say, honey, I'm, I'm sorry that I made a mess after you spent so much time cleaning. Friday comes around and rather than making a mess, this time I, I speak gruffly. I know that would never happen. Uh, but I speak gruffly and she's like, honey, you wounded me with your, your words. And I said, well, I asked for forgiveness back on Monday. Do I have to do it again on Friday? Well, that's somewhat, somewhat similar to our relationship with God. When we sin, we ask forgiveness to maintain the relationship. The Lord's Prayer is a family prayer. Third, God's provision for forgiveness never runs out. Like His provision of daily bread in the form of manna to the Israelites who wandered in the desert, that never ran out. So God's provision for forgiveness will never run out. Recently, I taught an ACG, an adult community group, Sunday school class, on the attributes of God. One of the things I loved pondering was the infinitude of God. The fact that God is limitless. There is no limits to His knowledge. There is no limits to His power. So unlike us, right? And there are no limits to His mercy and His willingness to forgive. That's great news. Because if you've sinned once, you've sinned a thousand times. And maybe it's the same sin that you keep coming back to over and over again. You, you want to be free of the sin, but you keep falling into those sinful patterns. And you go to God and you ask forgiveness. When you do, know that God's forgiveness and His mercy is limitless. Whether it's the first time or the thousandth time, you haven't even begun to plumb the depths of God's willingness to forgive. The prophet Jeremiah, who was going through horrible times in his nation's history, watching Jerusalem be destroyed, wrote the book of Lamentations where he laments God's discipline. But even in the midst of this chaos and tumult and discipline, he can pen these words, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Or in the New Testament, the Apostle John reminds us that if we, are, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And yet, oftentimes we're slow. Slow to come to God in confession and ask forgiveness. Maybe it's because of the shame that we feel. But God's mercy and His compassion is enough not just to cover the guilt of your sin, but the shame of it too. Maybe it's because we make excuses for our sin and we don't think that we really need forgiveness because we're really not that bad. Well, rather than making light of our sin, we're called to come and lay them at Christ's feet and find the forgiveness that is there. Maybe you've 
never come to the place in your life where you've sought the forgiveness of your Heavenly Father. Right now is a tremendous time to think along those lines. We're being reminded daily, uh, hourly, about the fragility of life, about the fragility of the world that we enjoy so much. The things that often distract us from thinking about spiritual things and eternal things, they're being stripped away. We're not being distracted by the sports that we love. We're not being distracted by our kids' activities every evening. We have more time to sit and ponder eternal things. And and if this is new to you, then I would invite you to do so and to understand that God is ready and willing to offer His forgiveness to you. Those were the three truths about God's forgiveness. And they lead to this one application that comes right out of the text. As you have been forgiven, so forgive others. It's not that our forgiveness is the basis for God's forgiveness, but it flows out of having been forgiven. The Apostle Paul will say in Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other. And forgive one another if any of you has any grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. The one who refuses to forgive shows that they really have no part in the forgiveness that God offers. C.S. Lewis said, To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. It is a command that we are to forgive, but it's a good command. It's a command for our goodness, as Amy was alluding to. Holding on to these things make us bitter and weigh us down. I remember when I first started seminary, one of the exercises we had to do was to go through a personality kind of inventory. And then we sat with one of the counseling students, and they walked through the inventory with us and practiced on us their counseling techniques. I have no idea what this counseling student asked, but it tapped into some deep roots of anger and bitterness that just came flooding out from almost a decade prior. Things I had been holding on to and never released to God. They come flooding out in a wave of emotion, and I wept, and I still remember the face of this poor counseling student. He had no idea what he was getting into here. He was confused. But I was liberated. Letting that go is good for us. So God's command to forgive, let's be honest, it sometimes feels good in the short term to hold the grudge, to hold on to the anger. But in the long term, it is for our good to release it to God. We're called to forgive as God has forgiven you. The Puritan Thomas Watson described what that kind of forgiveness looks like. He said, when we strive against all thoughts of revenge, that's when forgiveness happens. When we will not do to our enemies mischief, but wish well for them, When we grieve at their calamities and pray for them, seek reconciliation with them, and show ourselves ready on all occasions to help them, 
That's when we know we've truly forgiven. We'll daily fall short of that call to forgive others. Our forgiveness will always be imperfect. So even in this, we rely on God's willingness to forgive our imperfect forgiveness. This prayer, through and through, calls us to rely on God's grace, on His mercy, and on His compassion, knowing that He has a limitless supply of all of that. Would you pray with me this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. Amen.